The City Quick Connect podcast is brought to you by the Municipal Association of South Carolina. Hey, everybody. It's Casey Fields, your manager for municipal advocacy at the Municipal Association of South Carolina. Welcome to another edition of City Quick Connect podcast, Legislative Edition. Scott, welcome back, my friend. Well, thank you, Casey. It's uh, it's great to be here. It's week two, sort of. That's right. Week two right? down. A little, a different week two, if short I week. might add. Yeah, short week. Um, so we started last week on a Wednesday instead of a Tuesday yep. um, because of the blizzard-esque conditions in the upstate. They carried over a little bit and made dangerous um, driving conditions. For members on Tuesday morning. So they started Wednesday and went hard in the paint Wednesday and Thursday, um, tackling some big issues, getting in subcommittee and committee meetings, um, and just generally working through their calendars. Yeah, you know, I saw the lobbyist for SEDOT this week and I suggested to him so long as these particular roads are clear so that I can get home, then we're good. But right. uh, they were none, none of them were, are in the upstate, of course. So of course. We, of we don't course. live in the upstate anymore. Um, Scott, I want to highlight this week, I want to talk about a couple things. So the the House worked through bills on the calendar. Um, the Senate. Short calendar. It was a short, really short very calendar. Very short calendar. Very Not short calendar. a lot calendar. on there. Yep. Um, and I, I believe they even finished up a bill on the contested calendar last week, which was yeah. the only one, I think. Yeah. Um, and then the 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 Senate just went, I mean, they came out guns blazing. I mean, they started with certificate of need, which is which not was, a controversial issue. Which was special order. They right. They special order. ordered that. Um, then they got on congressional redistricting. Yep. And you know what else they did last week? What? They put the medical marijuana bill on special order. That is really amazing and interesting to me. And I'll tell you, Casey, that shows me Senator Tom Davis's influence from Buford. Bless his heart. He's been working on that bill for years, Scott. Well, and I mean... CON certificate of need was something that was a an issue that he was extremely interested in. As you said, right. medical marijuana is something that he's been working on for a long time and to have both of those issues hit the special order slots on the calendar in the first 2 weeks of the That's session, right. 3 weeks days. of the session. <laughs> yeah. is quite remarkable. And but I'll tell you Casey, Senator Davis has really evolved over the years um, from someone who was a firebrand antagonist that's to right. someone. Well, he was who a student is, of um, Governor Sanford. That's he right. For Mark Sanford, he was yep. he was a student under him, and then came into the Senate and really came into his own and became a real statesman, a real leader. And he has. That's exactly right. And he is he is learning. He has. He's teaching people the art of compromise and debate, it, you know, civil debate, which is something that uh, we all should aspire to. And while he may dis- disagree on particular uh, public co- policy issues with others, he has very good debate, respectful debate, um, and, you know, 
that's paying off for him now. Certainly. Scott, and you know, hopefully we'll pay off for the state. That that reminds me. Um, it reminds me of a young man that started his career in lobbying maybe later in life, maybe as a second career. Mm. And he kind of came in and he was ready to just go after everybody. He wanted a confrontation. He wanted to to fight. He wanted to uh, really just go after people. And then after some some time in the biz, he kind of calmed down a little bit and realized that maybe compromise and maybe talking things out was, mm. you know, was a, a good idea. Do you know this person by are you any talking chance? About, are you talking about our good friend Josh Rhodes over at the County Association? Uh, no, I'm talking about you. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Josh Rhodes. Right. Of course, if he listens. God, yeah. I hope Josh listens to this. He may not listen. I'll remind him to do that. Um, yeah, you should. So <laughs> let me let me talk about just a couple of bills, and then I want to go, I, I want to get a little in-depth, a little behind the scenes about how we dealt with a bill that a lot of people, a lot of our members have been um, kind of upset about, concerned and, about lately. An unpleasant surprise. Right, right. Yep. Um, so last week in Senate, full Senate Transportation Committee, and we have been following these bills since they were introduced, but there are two bills um, that I want you to give a quick, just a quick overview. S-248 is Senator Tom Young from Aiken. His bill, it's the hands the South Carolina Hands-Free Act. Can you tell the people um, a little bit about what that bill does? Yeah, this bill extends the, um, essentially the uh, the ban on holding your cell phone or using your cell phone, texting while driving uh, law that's already in place. This bill would prohibit someone from holding a device of any kind uh, while they're driving, and it would increase the penalties for that a violation of that uh, of this particular law if it were to pass um, from twenty five dollars, which is right now the the uh, texting while driving texting fine, while driving. right would extend would raise that fine to a minimum of a hundred dollars and then they increase over time. So this is a bill that he has been very interested in over the last couple of years. Representative Bill Taylor from Aiken has been extremely involved in this issue over the years. He, uh, uh, Representative Taylor is a uh, motorcycle rider. He's a Harley guy. So, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he's, he's particularly interested in this. So um, that bill advanced out of subcommittee two weeks ago, got out of full committee this the, uh, last week, and will be on the floor this week. So we'll see how, see how it goes. You know, there wasn't a whole lot of, there was some debate in um, committee about some of the provisions of the bill and how they might be enforced, but all of law enforcement is behind this thing, and they say that this bill will eliminate some of the obstacles to enforcement that mm. the uh, texting while driving law has in place now. So we'll see. We'll see what happens on the full floor. I hope they advance it uh, personally. And that it goes to the house and uh, and it, and it gets moving there. Okay, great. So in the same committee uh, last week, there was another bill that I want you to tell everybody about. Um, it was Senate Bill 908, sponsored by Senator Luke Rankin um, from Myrtle Beach, the Carolina Squat Bill. So if you've lowered the rear end of your truck and jacked up the front of your truck, that yeah. is the Carolina Squat. Squat. 
Right. To the point that you, as a driver of that squatted truck, are unable to see over the hood of that truck, which presents a number of public safety issues for pedestrians, for people who are driving in front of you. So um, in testimony and subcommittee in particular, a couple of weeks ago on this bill, um, I, 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 one of the officials from DPS, or no, it's from City of Myrtle Beach, he testified that the driver has to ask the passenger whether or not someone is on the right side of the vehicle before they can proceed because they can't see. So for that reason, uh, the officials in Myrtle Beach, uh, Myrtle Beach PD in particular, wants to uh, limit the, the amount of squat a truck can have going forward. Right. right. And uh, uh, we'll see. What, th- again, that passed out of subcommittee out of committee last week and it'll be on the floor this week. That And that's been an issue on the strip. Yeah. Yeah. That from the from the testimony that I heard, that seems to be where the biggest problem is. Now, one of the things that they did was say, look, if you have a truck that hydraulically moves up and down that you can control the height of, then that's okay, so long as you don't have it squatted while you're actually in motion. So, you know, we'll see what happens. But the folks in Myrtle Beach are, are, are extremely interested in this and brought our attention to it. Right. Uh, and so we've been following it uh, very closely. Okay. So those two passed out of full committee. I want to go, I want to pivot a little bit on the subject from transportation issues to um, water, if I, if I may. Sure. Um, like waterfalls, so cascading water, like, water purification, no, wastewater. I want to talk about municipal water systems and non-municipal customers of those water systems. Got it. Um, So last week, the night before, so Tuesday evening, Tuesday Tuesday late afternoon. Yes. um, The subcommittee, um, the Environmental Affairs Subcommittee of the Full House Agriculture, Natural Resources and Environmental Affairs Committee scheduled a subcommittee hearing on a bill, House Bill 3273, that we have obviously been um, watching very closely because it affects a lot of um, municipalities. We've been following that. And so they scheduled this for the next morning at 10 a.m. or close to that, maybe like 11, I think, what it ended up being because of previous meetings. Um, Scott, talk talk me through, take us through the the path we went to and what was the general outcome um, and how we were able to kind of come together at the last minute and take care of business. Well, first, let me tell you what 3273 proposes to do. Um, the bill would um, require that non-resident municipal utility customers be allowed to vote on a member of their community to sit on a municipal council. So if I'm a non-city resident, but I'm but I'm on city water, this bill would allow me to run for an elected seat on the municipal council. But you don't you didn't you just tell me that you don't live Correct. I, okay. I would be. I'm a non-resident who would be allowed to run for city council. Oh, 
Okay. Furthermore, further, the bill, I'll let you go. Go ahead. Keep going. Yeah. Keep going. So further, the bill would only if I were elected to the city council as this non-resident utility representative, I would only be allowed to vote on matters dealing with the municipal utility. Uh, I couldn't vote on anything else. So that is the, what the bill proposes to do. And, and, the, and the, the issue that it is trying to solve is um, the claim that non-resident utility customers, municipal utility customers, have no one that they can vote for or call to complain about the, the rates, the water and sewer rates that they're paying. Um, I disagree with that. They can. They can call council members. They can call the mayor. They can call the city administrator, the manager, whomever is in charge of setting the rates for um, outside, munis uh, outside municipal utility customers. Um, so that that's what the bill does. So we found out that it was going to have a subcommittee subcommittee hearing, um, and the entire legislative team, including you, Casey, of course. Uh, Joni Nickel, Erica Wright on our team, we all came in and set about working towards trying to uh, stop this bill as best we could. We were able to do that, I will tell you up front. And we were able to do that by reaching out to the chairman of the subcommittee, to the members of the subcommittee, to the primary sponsor of the bill, and point out to them that the bill violates the state constitution. The South Carolina Constitution requires that anyone who sits on a municipal council be a resident. And so when we pointed the, this constitutional flaw in the bill out to the chairman and to the members of the subcommittee and to the primary sponsor of the bill, they all agreed to uh, adjourn debate, which is a procedure in the House that says, let's send this bill uh, let's stop this bill where it is and give us a little bit of time to work on it if it comes back up. So uh, very pleased with the very quick work that we did yeah. after we found out about the subcommittee hearing for this bill. Proud of the team. And those are the kinds of things that we do routinely uh, that most of our members don't know about. But certainly this is a good example of the, the ways in which we protect uh, municipal uh, functions across the state uh, every time the legislature convenes and we do it. We don't brag about it too often, but this is one that I'm particularly proud given the very tight time constraints that we were facing. Right. And, and it was done, Scott, in a way that was not adversarial, but was just pointed out some obvious flaws in maybe the drafting of the bill. So, so let me, let me just confess here a little bit. Well, um, you remember, let's go back to that, that, young man that started working <laughs> in the, with the lobbying team so many yeah. years ago. You know, my, my, my reaction to that was, well, I'm just going to go in there. I'm going to, I'm going to testify to the fact that this is unconstitutional and uh, let the, let the chips fall where they may. But uh, thanks to our team, to the diversity and the experience of our team, <laughs> Uh, we took a different tag and said, you know what, let's give all these folks a heads up in, in advance see what they say, and then we'll proceed from there. And fortunately, uh, they were all extremely receptive to our giving them that heads up and that advance notice, and it built a lot of goodwill that probably would not have built been built if I just walked in, pulled the pin on the grenade, thrown it in, and walked out the door. So, Which is really what you 
enjoy doing more so than, you know, just a good, solid, calm communication. But sometimes, you know, we we even talked about this, Scott. Sometimes the it calls for a grenade and sometimes it calls for some sort of peace treaty. Well, that's right. And you know, uh, exactly. You, you know, as well as I do, sometimes you got to throw the grenade that's right. that, that necessarily wasn't necessarily the time to do it. And uh, it worked out well. So we, we, we were able to stop it. What, for now. Um, for now. Anything else from last week that you want to, you want to get into, or do you feel like everybody needs to know? No, uh, well, of course, uh, the the second half of the week was the, in the Senate. In particular, they were working on the congressional redistricting map, and um, you know right. that's been, that's gotten done. It it seems to me that the Senate really wants to get some big big things out of the way. Yeah, and uh, and that's good. One thing I will mention, and this is related to the um, uh, the ARP funding. Oh yeah. Or no, I'm sorry, the SRS funding. SRS funding. The House Ways and Means Committee, or I'm sorry, no, the Senate Finance uh, ARP SRS Committee took a recommendation or voted out a recommendation that the uh, $525 million in SRS funds be divvied up, 65% going to the three most affected counties. I believe it's Aiken, Allendale, and uh, Barnwell County. And then uh, 10% go to the perimeter counties. There are 10 of those. Oh, no, I'm sorry. 52 and a half million go to um, the uh, 10 perimeter counties. And then interestingly, they are suggesting that $131 million of that be sent to the county transportation committees and the C fund. So that's a that's a huge addition to the C fund that cities and towns ought to be thinking about how they can take advantage of to improve their roads and infrastructure in their in their cities and towns. So keep um, an eye as that moves forward. That Scott, that also reminded me last week um, on Thursday after the House adjourned, the House Ways and Means SRS and ARP subcommittee met and they heard recommendations from the South Carolina Rural Infrastructure Authority from Bonnie Adams Ammons. And she laid out some recommendations and those were in Dome on Friday. So if you didn't read Dome and you're listening to the podcast, you can go back and look at the Dome to see what um, the specific recommendations. Um, Erica has all that information because she's obviously following the state disbursement. So, Bonnie laid out three types of grants and she um, and and how much and what they can be used for. So all that is in Dome. So you can check that out and see where you qualify. Water, yeah. wastewater, stormwater. What was the number on that? I can't remember. What did yeah, she I don't say? remember either. So, I, you know, the talk has been between Bonnie and others between 400 and 500 million dollars. But we've been hearing a much, much more generous uh, allocation appropriation of ARP funds towards water and sewer than that. So, I'm um, I'm hoping that that comes to uh, comes to pass because it would be a it really would be transformational for our water and sewer systems across the uh, across the right. state. But we'll we'll just have to see what the uh, House Ways and Means and Senate Finance ultimately adopt. And, you know, Scott, that's been a real transformational, has been a real buzzword with Governor McMaster and with legislators about the state ARP money. So, well, glad that that's following in the transformational. 
Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you though, five hundred million dollars towards water and wastewater is not transformational, but the numbers that we've been hearing, the potential numbers that we've been hearing, would in fact be transformational. So, right, after that comes to pass. Um, Scott, I appreciate you coming back, coming on. I appreciate you returning week after week. Um, and talking about major issues for our cities and towns. Well, as gonna... we've said before, Casey, it's time for other guests. I had, I had, uh, I'm actually recording this out of town, and uh, there was someone who really wanted to make a guest appearance, but what? I, I discouraged him from from doing it. So um, okay. he's from a, uh, a a town over in western Lexington County. <laughs> okay. who, That's uh, all you. That's all you had to say. <laughs> yeah. So I had to had to shut that down pretty quickly. But uh, hopefully, hopefully we'll be able to have uh, Joni and Erica on very, very soon. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, everybody, thank you so much for listening to this week's edition of City Quick Connect podcast. Um, as always, wash your hands, wear your mask. If you are in indoor crowded places, get the vaccine and the booster if you choose to do so. If you don't, please take measures to stop the spread of the Omicron, the Delta, the Deltacron, the Omicron, the unicorn, the whatever the unicorn, whatever um, variant we're dealing with, let's let's contribute to back to semi-normal instead of just continuing to spread. Take care, everybody, and we'll talk to you next week. The City Quick Connect podcast is one of several ways the Municipal Association keeps you informed of the opportunities and issues impacting South Carolina cities and towns. Learn more at www.masc.sc and stay up to date with the association's latest happenings on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.